0: This is No Ball Podcast, a podcast where I, Scott Hill, alongside my good friend, Ben Stacy, chat all things Premier and Champions League football. While we may not be experts, we do certainly know ball. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to No Ball Episode 6. We got a pretty big episode coming up for you today. We got a weekly roundup of some news. We got a big recap of all the Premier League action that happened last week. And we're, as always, going to be giving our no ball certified takes for this next weekend. I'm Scott Hill. I'm here with you. And we got my friend Ben Stacey here. How you feeling, Ben?
1: Oh, awesome. No. We love you. I'm feeling great, man. Great weekend and uh, ready to just get this podcast going, dude. <laughs> I am absolutely buzzing right now, dude.
0: Loving the energy. All right. I think we can just get straight into the weekly roundup of some news. Not the biggest week of news, but First things first, Antonio Rudiger has come out and said he will not be re-signing a new contract with Chelsea. He's already being linked to some pretty huge clubs, which is unsurprising. You know, he's a Champions League level defender. He's got Bayern and Real Madrid interested. What do you think about him as a player? You know, he's had a bit of a mixed bag career here at Chelsea, but he's certainly shown some quality under Tuchel this last year.
1: Uh, definitely. No, Anthony Rudiger, I'm a. I'm right with you there. He's, he's a solid player on his day, but he's had a strange career over at Chelsea. He has some really great moments and some really poor moments, I think. Um, but he can definitely improve a Real Madrid side, I believe. I think that would be his best destination. Uh, he's only 28, so he has one more big contract left in him. Uh, I, Bayern, I just don't see him really fitting in anywhere where they don't already have someone in that position that's already better than him. Uh, but Real Madrid, I think, could actually use some of his services and with kind of how their financial problems have been kind of going around. But definitely, yeah, I think a good move to Spain would be good for him.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. We are recording this directly after the September 28 Champions League fixtures. Real Madrid have lost to Sharif Tiasapul 2 uh, 1. Oh, my God. You know, after losing Ramos and Varane. I wouldn't be surprised if they could really go all in on him. You know, he's just, he's a solid guy at the back. He's good at playing the ball out. Yeah. It seems like, it seems like this coming up summer is going to be big for Real Madrid. You know, they, they're they always going to be linked to Pogba and Mbappe, but their squad needs a pretty big overhaul, if I'm being honest. And I think oh, next, next summer is going to be the move for them.
1: Yeah. They might uh, do a, a little quicker uh, move in January, bring someone in because I don't think. Militao is enough, even if he is playing well. I don't follow Real Madrid enough to really know, but that's the only center half and Alaba, of course. But, yeah, they're, they're not looking too hot right now. Yeah, definitely
0: lacking a little bit. Uh, other news, we had some prime Jose Mourinho banter going on, <laughs> on on the weekend. He took his first loss at Roma. like You would expect Jose Mourinho to take his first loss. Uh, if you haven't seen the post-game interview and some of the stuff going on at the game, I would definitely, definitely recommend it. Somehow, Maurizio Sari had a hawk or an eagle or something like on his arm. I, I guess that's that's their celebration <laughs> thing. But you know, I think Mourinho really fits Roma. I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of there. He he's got Tammy Abraham performing at a crazy high level. Yeah, it, it's just fun to watch. Anything else to add to the Jose Mourinho stuff?
1: Well, you already know how I feel about Jose Mourinho. But to other people, I hate. I hate this fucker, dude. I hate this dude so much. I think he's a clown. And honestly, he he has got the trophies, yes. But the squads that he has been around, like he didn't create these squads that he managed. Like Inter Milan was already made when he got there, and he got them to the Champions League final, like great. You know, that it's been a while since and they had unbelievable talent. Then he went to Real Madrid, had incredible talent there too. And you see now he doesn't have the squad talent that he used to have on his teams. And you see a lot of failure and things like that. So I add just a bias on Jose Mourinho. I hate him, and I love to see him lose. And I love him when he throws his little tantrum tantrums or whatever in practice conferences because it just, it just puts a smile on my face to see that man lose. So,
0: right, right.
1: That, that's just me. But, yeah, he does have Tammy Abraham playing well. I think he is a good fit for Roma. They're um they're definitely kind of that uh put in the words, just a very emotional side. So, I think he fits well. I I think he'll do well. I just hope he doesn't. So,
0: yeah, him him managing Spurs last year was definitely certified entertainment, but Yeah. You know, I think this is sort of a soft reset for his career. You know, he's pushing 20 years managing at the highest level and the last, I don't know, five or six have all been pretty much abysmal in terms mm-hmm. of his standards. Yeah. So I think going to Roma, maybe a little, uh, maybe going a little bit away from the limelight in terms of uh, not being in the, the English media eye as much. He got absolutely berated by them more than once last year. Definitely. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he succeeds, but just some prime Mourinho entertainment for you there. And last but not least us being american fans it's a little bit different this talk of premier league or champions league matches playing abroad has definitely been circulating in the news for the last i would say even up to a decade i think as the market grows these questions are only going to be pressed more and more uh i know most european fans wouldn't be behind the ideas but the ideas but what are some of your thoughts on premier league matches being played abroad
1: and see it I read a small article on The Athletic about it, and they didn't have a lot of info. I had to like subscribe, and I was about to pay $5 to read more on it. But it said it had like four or five base markets that it wanted to hit. And it's the USA, China, India, Brazil, and Indonesia, which I can understand USA and China, maybe even India too. Um, But my thing is, is like they said that there was like some preseason tournaments next summer that they're going to be held to kind of see how it like kind of deals like with in like a different market, which in the United States, they already have the like champions cup, um, that play over the summer. And we've been the plenty of games during that, but it doesn't really look like there's an actual trophy to win at it. It's just a few games played over the States. Um, it's just now saying that these games might have more meaning and like, it actually might be like league games. So kind of like the NFL, how they go to London, like the Jaguars always go there for some reason. Um, <laughs> I think it would be great for us as fans. I'd love to see, you know, Liverpool Hell, play even Burnley, like in soldier field at Chicago, you know? Um, but yeah, it, for the way I see it is that players and managers, I think would hate this idea. It's just yeah. another additional travel on top of that, especially top six teams that make European tournaments. That's now you're doubling travel. Maybe even, no, like more like groupling travel. Um, for no reason, it really seems just to like hit another market just for you know the league's pockets to be a little bit bigger, which at the end of the day might be more beneficial to the clubs because they might make more money and for more money and brings in better players. But during that time, players and matters, I think would just hate this. So I just I think it might go through. Um, I'd love to see Arsenal play once, but I, yeah. I don't think it will happen, honestly.
0: I would definitely be surprised if Premier League matches ended up being played abroad anywhere. But my thoughts on it, if you take a look at specifically the Europa League finals in the last few years, you know, I remember the first one that comes to mind is Baku, which I think was the Arsenal Chelsea one in Azerbaijan. I don't really see a reason why there couldn't be a Europa League final in, you know, New York City or Miami or something like that personally. You know, mm-hmm. we always we'll always have the American bias, but I would honestly like to see that and it being at the end of the year, you know, giving teams an extra week or two to travel and prep. I I don't think it'd be a bad idea personally, especially when you see you know, we got the 2022 World Cup coming up in Qatar. So, mm-hmm. games growing and expanding. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. I think I think that's about all I have to say on well, that topic.
1: I I just want to bring it back to Baku and that year, I, I believe it was Chelsea Arsenal and the um, Europa league. And then it was Liverpool. Was it Liverpool Spurs that year?
0: Yeah. And, and the Champions League final
1: both games. I couldn't believe that they didn't play them at Wembley like that year with all like England teams being in the finals. And that was like a huge thing about it is like, the extended travel and like the market in Baku wasn't as big. And like you have two London based teams playing in Baku where people have to like the majority of the fan base is in England. Like it just didn't make a whole lot of sense back then. And like, even now with Qatar being the destination for the world cup, just very strange um, in my opinion. And I think the world Cup's going to be happening in the usa in 2026 it's going to be like between canada usa and mexico which i think would be great and i think there would be a great opportunity us to go finally see some international play for once which we usually don't get the luxury of having
0: yeah i'm definitely looking forward to that
1: Mm -hmm. most definitely.
0: yeah i i do wonder why those finals weren't played in england but i'm sure there's a whole lot of you know pre-existing contracts and And things we don't really know much about, but maybe the higher. Maybe more
1: politically too, just like with what's going on in Qatar, it just seems like I've been hearing some terrible things coming out of there with the construction of facilities there. And there's even examples of, you know, the nest um, in Beijing that held the 2012 Olympics. Yeah. That now is just collecting dust and rust. Like they're not using it at all. And these countries can't put these events on like post Olympics or post World Cup. So it, it's just a a burst of economic income and then it's complete downfall from there and the facilities never get used again. So I don't know how truly ha- like how big this helps Qatar. In the grand scheme of things, other than just during the World Cup.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. That uh, it's definitely a problem that's gonna have to be faced sooner rather than later, in my opinion. I think I think with the 2022 World Cup, a lot of these issues are gonna be brought to a head and and some action is probably gonna be taken, you know, either way.
1: Yeah. All right. I think
0: we can definitely move on to our certified takes from last weekend. I would like to congratulate Ben here for being a certified no baller <laughs> for getting both of his uh certified takes correct if you want to just go in and you know say what you what you saw and and how you got them right give us a little thought process here
1: yeah no the so with arsenal arsenal just looked to be doing better under arteta and i think the final starting 11 has been set now it's not on paper this amazing starting 11 but i want to highlight two players already and ramsdale and tomiyasu the energy these two bring it is just unbelievable for this arsenal side and you you there was this one play where ramsdale saves the ball and tomiyasu clears and they and ramsdale is just loving it like yes. and he is hyped like i think everyone saw that and like all Arsenal fans are just recognizing it. These two have some heart and a backbone that this team has been missing for so long. Now going into that performance, they've looked better. Spurs have not looked that great, especially losing three nil in the last two prior games under Nuno. I, I would assume that they would have done better, but my bias more kind of slept in than anything. Um, uh, but Arsenal just looked better in the previous game, so that's where I saw it there. And then with Brentford and Liverpool, I think going into Brentford Stadium now is literally flying into a hornet's nest. Ooh. The bees are playing an exceptional type of football right now, and it's very up tempo. It's very, it's very untechnically like word i'm looking for it's not technically super gifted but it just it's the work rates of the players the belief of the players that anyone that comes in or anywhere that they go that they can give their best foot forward and and give everyone a run for their money and that's what they did the liverpool now liverpool still passed three pass their defense liverpool still looked pretty good except for in between the center halves they looked a little touchy defensively they looked a little lethargic um, there's been some moments where um, Robertson was caught out, um, kind of out of position, not really knowing where to go. And Van Dyke, the communication's not really there. And I think that's just early season lulls um, for Liverpool. Liverpool still they're top of the league right now. They haven't lost yet, but the way I saw that one ha- kind of playing out, it was both up to both teams. Anything could happen. They're, it's at Brentford. Brentford fans are going to be going absolutely nuts to play Liverpool, and these players just get the energy from the fans and the fan, like, and they just they ball out. So yeah. not really anything specifically stat wise behind it. More just kind of the eye test, which is I go on I go more on my gut than stats most of the time, um, just on past um, past performances that I've seen and how players have been playing. Um, but stats do kind of feed into it. I like to have like a nice balance, but definitely more of the eye test for me. And that's just what I kind of saw coming.
0: Yeah. A couple of great shots there. I think we'll, we'll be going into both of those games into a little bit more detail in the next segment, but a couple of great shots there. Great insight. Looking forward to seeing what you got for your, uh, for your takes coming up for this
1: next I weekend. Think, I think they're definitely going to be more misses. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that's the thing with this is that, you're gonna have a lot more misses than you are hits, but the hits feel so good, especially yeah. when it's, especially when it's your team, man. Oh, I'm still buzzing after that Arsenal win. That was huge,
0: for sure, for sure. On the flip side of the coin, I got both of my certified takes wrong pretty heavily. I predicted Chelsea would win by at least two goals. I just saw a an informed Chelsea team that you know had already beaten City in some pretty huge games not least of which the Champions League final. I thought that Lukaku would dominate, but really what happened was City just controlled the game completely. They dominated, and, you know, one zero 1-0 win solid means that I got that wrong. And then the other one, I thought Sancho would have his breakout game finally in the Prem, but unfortunately, Ollie Gunnar Sulkshire was listening to the podcast, kept him <laughs> on the bench, so I got that one wrong as well, but... Yeah, I think that's going to be a fun segment to look forward to in the future. And I think we can just go straight into the weekend recap because, you know, we've already touched on a few of these games. But the first match, this is match week six, by the way, just for future listeners. Uh, The first game, actually, of the entire weekend was probably the biggest. And that was City, as we just touched on. Uh, City just dominated. Uh, Chelsea couldn't really string anything going forward. Defensively, City, you know, you think already a strong attacking squad brings in Jack Relish, but defensively, they've been better than ever. One goal allowed in six games. Do you? I had one question for you. Mm-hmm. So, going into this game, I would say Tuchel was generally regarded as either the second or third best manager in the Prem, you know, with Klopp and Pep sort of in that mix. His first plan A is very solid. You know, he knows how to structure defensively. He knows how to coach a counterattack, and he has the players for it. And I think generally he gets the best out of his players. But in this game, his plan A didn't necessarily work. Do you see this as sort of an issue going forward for Chelsea? He doesn't really seem to have a plan B.
1: Yeah, no. So one thing I want to touch on real quick before I get into that, Chelsea only had two true attacking players on the pitch at the start of the game, Lukaku and Werner. That was it. Like Conte is not an attacking player truly. Kovacic can play a nice ball here and there and Jorginho is by far not an offensive player. And they had their wing backs and it was um Marcus Alonso and they had both Azpilicueta and Reese James in, and and Reese James had to be cut, had the be subbed off early, I believe for an injury. So going forward, they didn't have a whole lot. Um, and g- like going forward, um, as far as moving the ball, Werner looked good in the space and Lukaku had some good hold up play, but there just wasn't enough going forward. So yes, their plan B of countering attack or their plan a of counter attack, sit back, let City kind of do what they want, did not work. Plan B was, well, let's kind of play through the midfield a little bit, try and get a pass through, get it up to Lukaku. He can sit back. And that was working. It could get to Lukaku, but there wasn't another runner going in. So this can be a negative thing. I think it's just one game. I think that Tuchel went into this game – and he got he just got it a little bit wrong. He should have had a little bit more of attacking going forward. He was way too defensive. And I think you can't go into a game playing City too, too defensive because they're just going to pick you apart and eat you alive. So I think he's going to learn from this. I think the next time that they meet each other, it'll be very different. I think that Chelsea can definitely beat this team by multiple goals. This team is definitely not invincible whatsoever. Um, and that's kind of what I saw from the little that I watched of it, and the highlights I saw after.
0: Definitely, definitely. I just I was hearing some shouts on Twitter and stuff saying Tuko got outclassed. I wanted to hear your thoughts. I personally, I'm gonna have to agree with your fact that it was just one game. However, you know, you don't want to. This is his second season in the Prem now. You don't want to be the type of manager that can get found out and Tuchel is absolutely top class manager, but I just want to, you know, put that in the back of someone's mind, you know, he might be a little bit one dimensional at this moment. And as we all know with Chelsea, a couple bad results in a row start dropping in the league, you know, your seat's starting to get hot. So Mm -hmm. no, definitely definitely. something for me that I want to look out for.
1: I think, I got one more thing. Sorry, I don't mean yeah, to cut go you for off. It. No, you're good. But they they see Lukaku as a savior. And I, I don't think a manager would see it that way. But that game just showed how too reliant they are on Lukaku to be their only offensive threat. Because, you know, Timo Werner, he's good for at least one sit or a game. Like, that's just, that's his calling card. Yeah. You know? So they went into the game way too defensive. I think everyone saw that. And... Twitter, oh man, football Twitter is just the most toxic waste of time, but it's it's so much fun to like go on and look at what people say because right. immediately it like like it was like a pep like master class or something. It was a one 0 victory, like at home. Like it wasn't it's not that deep, you know, like that that's expected, right? It was at was it at Stanford Bridge?
0: Yeah, it was City One away. It was at Stanford Bridge. Okay.
1: I mean, that's still that's a great result. But it's Pep Guardiola and Man City, like yeah, nothing but a point. At, like at that game, probably would have been even a point would have been a failure. I think, at yeah. for Man City standards. So, City. I think, I think this ahead. game
0: was built up to be a title decider, and Chelsea. The last few seasons, it's been Man City, Liverpool for the title. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people saw the business Chelsea were doing, the money they were spending how Tuchel is building the side, and they were expecting this specific game to show that Chelsea were now somehow favorites. And mm-hmm. generally, even a win there wouldn't really put Chelsea in there for me quite yet.
1: Yeah. I think just a, f- a few more weeks, Chelsea, I'm sure they'll get back to winning ways. Um, I don't know their upcoming games, but... They're not in my uh, certified takes this up week, so I don't I don't know who they play, but I'm sure they'll get back to winning ways.
0: Right. Yeah, I think we can move on to game number two that we wanted to focus on, and that was Brentford Liverpool. As you uh, as you touched on, it was a three three draw, not the most common score line. Pretty crazy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple little things. I liked how in your certified take recap, you focused on the fact that Brentford play. You know, really attacking expansive football, but it's not necessarily technically great, and that's exactly what I saw. I think. I think they really relied on the long ball, and that's not something you really see from many teams. I think. I think the long balls from center back or midfield up to Ivan Tony, specifically when he was floating around, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold or Joel Matip, were really, really effective because he was winning them constantly. I mean. Trent, you understand, he's always going to be running back from the attack, but Matip, mm-hmm. Matip looked pretty shambolic defending Ivan Tony and mm-hmm. those long balls. And from a Liverpool perspective, I'd say this result is pretty disappointing, seeing as how Chelsea and Man City, who they were tied with and first, ended up losing, so they had a chance to go three points ahead. Mm-hmm. But as you touched on, Brentford away is now, in my opinion, not just an easy an easy win for any top six team.
1: Yeah, just ride them off like that. Yeah. There there are some positive things to take away from this game as far as Liverpool fans should be. It was Mo Salah's 100th goal. Um, it was very um, unenthusiastic because it was first called offsides, then it was back to VAR, VAR called them on, so then it was kind of like, oh, like all right, I scored my 100th goal. And Mo Salah has been one of the best players in the world for the past three or four years. And Liverpool got an absolute steal getting him from Roma. Yeah. Um, So that should be encouraging. And also, and you love this kid, but Curtis Jones, he is becoming a, a household name. Like that shot that he had was absolutely lasered. Yeah. That was a piss missile that he shot and that that's gotta be like seeing a youth player do something like that has just got to make you feel like, wow, like, like he is, he is like still improving and like, you can see the improvement and like he is just still coming up and he's going to be a a great 10 slash eight for you guys moving forward. Um, But yeah, you're right. A three, three draw at Brentford, a newly promoted side is in hindsight, Not a great result, but considering everything that Brentford kind of has and the way they fight, one point at Brentford, I think, in the grand scheme of things, could help you win the league coming like going forward. There's going to be a lot of teams that go to Brentford that lose, yeah, I think this season. And I underestimated Brentford a lot this year. I thought they'd come in, I thought they didn't have enough technical ability. Um, around the entirety of the pitch, I think Franco Nieveca was a great signing. I didn't think it would be enough. He looks like that; he can cover every single part of the pitch at the same time. Yeah. Even Tony or Ivan Tony, uh, I thought he'd be good for about ten goals, and that still might be true. But the amount of disturbance that he makes going like to the two center backs has been more than enough, and honestly creates goals in itself. So, this team should not be underrated at all. This team is very real, and they are most likely going to stay up this year. So, a 3-3 yeah. draw, too many goals allowed, but you got a point, and I'd be happy with a point going to Brentford. Too bad Arsenal won't have that this year. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think on Tony, I didn't see him coming into the Prem with this all-around game that he has. I mm-hmm. saw him as... He scored thirty something. I think it was thirty flat goals in the championship. Which he
1: around 36, yeah, oh, it, it was okay, thirty six, yeah, but yeah. it was thirty. It uh, was yeah, thirty. Yeah, plus for sure.
0: That tells me you're a goal scorer, and he still is that. But I haven't seen a forward do that much damage to Van Dyke and Matip partnership in a long time. And yeah. I think if he continues to play like this, Brentford should have no trouble staying up.
1: Definitely I think.
0: Not. I think I had them finishing, you know, 13th or 14th in yeah. my preseason predictions, and I'm I'm still, I'm still confident in that for sure.
1: I, I am not confident in them finishing 18th. That's for sure. So yeah, they are um, definitely not getting relegated. I definitely missed that one bad. Uh, yeah. I just, yeah, that's uh, how you don't know ball.
0: Hey, it's still early days, but yeah, definitely, definitely one to watch out for.
1: Lose 30 straight, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I think we can move on to I'd probably say this was the other than the three three draw, I would say this was the game of the weekend just for everything surrounding it, what was on the line for these two teams, and that was Arsenal Spurs. Mm-hmm. you know this when you think about a team, two teams coming in on the opposite side of a spectrum, I would say you know Arsenal started terribly, were sort of on the way up, they needed this win. Spurs started pretty well we're playing terribly recently they needed this win I think I think this is about of as a much needed win as you can get for an Arsenal team and when you see one month ago where both these teams were I think I saw a screenshot where three games in Spurs were top of the table and Arsenal were dead bottom mm-hmm. you know it really makes you wonder what happened, what flipped. Is it just as easy as saying Ramsdale and Tomiyasu, you know, they're adding some energy, or do you think there's something more there?
1: There's definitely something has definitely changed a bit. But I think it's more on Spurs side. Harry Kane has just not been himself. And I don't know if it's the summer lulls of not getting the move and and him being not essentially stuck at Spurs, but to me it seemed like he didn't want to be there anymore. And then he has full commitment now, and he's just not been performing. And on top of that, the recruitment from Nuno, I have questioned a lot. A lot of the guys that he's brought in so far have just not performed well at all. They, they don't look as quality as he's built them up to be Gil Tanganga. uh, He seems to be a fiery player that can't keep himself calm in in fiery situations. And he's been, you know, flying in the tackles, getting used like pointless cards for no reason and, and just getting the fights. And I, I don't, I don't know if it's my, my arsenal bias, but Spurs recruitment has definitely not been as great as I think it could have been. Like I don't know if Nuno's confused if he's still at Wolves or something, and he can only has like forty <laughs> million to spend. But like, yeah. like Gil and Tanganga, like you can you can spend more money, Nuno. Like you're at you're at Tottenham Hotspurs. Like they have money. Yeah. But other than that, Arteta has recruited decently. Same thing though. Arteta has recruited strange. Like it, it has been strange, and it was strange to begin but because of current performances it looks like it's a hit give it 10 more games arsenal are going to have a bad loss and people are going to be right back on their ass like it it's just how the sports media is it's just current form right now arsenal looked great it was a great win the youth looked great but give it 10 more games spurs are probably going to be ahead of arsenal i think
0: yeah i definitely agree i think i think spurs even when they were winning this season it was always like a one nil, you know, they genuinely weren't very good going forward.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What I saw when Nuno came in is a team that fit him a little bit, you know, in terms of, he had the players to play a similar system that he did at Wolves, you know, the five in the back. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had Matt Daugherty at right back already. So I thought that he would stick with the five, two, three, sort of, you know, letting Harry Kane be Raul Jimenez, who does it all, having runners off him. But yeah. it just doesn't seem like he knows how to set this team up yet. And I don't know if that's – he'll never figure it out or if he needs more time. But I can already feel the Spurs fans wanting him out because this hiring process for him was – I don't know if you remember, but it was months long. You know, yeah. they lost Poch, and they went through a whole host of – or not Poch—of uh, Mourinho and lost a whole host of candidates. They couldn't get anyone through the door. And then – in comes Nuno, who did phenomenal things with Wolves. You know, promotion, seventh place in their first year, and the issue was is that a lot of Spurs fans probably saw it as a step back, which I honestly would agree with, even before their struggles this season. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think he honestly might be the first manager out the door this season.
1: Yeah, it it's looking. It's looking grim now, but also a month ago, people were talking about Arteta being out. So and I know I, I'm being too much of a realist, and it's not fun to be a realist, but that's just how I am. So yeah. in a month time, they'll get some easy games. They'll probably throttle some lower end side. Like they get maybe Newcastle coming up soon. Someone's small, and they'll throttle them and everything's gonna be great. They're gonna be singing Kumbaya, you know, Nunos this, Nuno's that great tactics and whatever. But the fact that It's more the fact that it's the way he lost the North London Derby to a manager right now within the public and within the media. It looks like he's going to be out the door too. And he gets absolutely outclassed by Arteta and an Arsenal side that has no backbone to the media and to the public. So I think that's why they have the outcry of like this maybe isn't Right, maybe we didn't get the people or the person that we really wanted, and they definitely didn't. They went through like four or five different candidates. So, but realistically, it's one game again. In a month's time, it'll be Arsenal eighth, Spurs seventh. I'm I'm gonna guess, and you know these two mediocre top six sides now are gonna be fighting for some heroic leave spot. It seems so. Yeah. Um. We'll see what
0: will be in order.
1: Yeah, think how how things should be. You know? Yeah,
0: I think that's about it for the bigger games. I did want to just touch on a few other things. Real quick, shout out to Raúl Jiménez for being back on the score sheet and you know getting his Wolves team uh, their first victory.
1: Mm-hmm. It's great
0: to see him back. You know, he was he was a very entertaining player to watch. You know, back in two or three seasons ago, but mm-hmm. that horrible injury, you know, it's always great to see a player come back from that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that was against Arsenal too, David Luiz. That was a very scary moment. I was, I watched that live and you didn't really notice it at first, but once you see the replay, like the way they collided heads, like David Luiz must have a hit of steel yeah. because of how boneheaded he is. And fucking <laughs> <idiot>. but-
0: <laughs> Another quick thing. Yeah. Uh Leicester and Leeds both continue to just not seem to be able to get anything done this season. Yeah. I think with Leicester, I see it as more just a form issue. I think they have way too much quality and mm-hmm. their manager's too strong for them to not start to pick it up. But with Leeds, I'm I'm starting to wonder if it's something maybe with the system, honestly, because from what I've watched from them this season, they can't really seem to link attack and defense. And, you know, they were one Mikel Antonio wonder goal away from a draw at West or a draw home to West Ham, which is a pretty good result this season. Mm -hmm. But I just I'm a little worried about them dipping too low now, you know, without a win so far six games in.
1: Yeah, it's definitely concerning. You know, it's different when it's. It's different when it's like a a few weeks in and you're kind of catching your feet. But this seems to be kind of a recur- like a reoccurring theme for leads is that they either you know take the lead and lose it or they just get completely outclassed and they have they are also a team that kind of struggles to have a plan B when counterattack speed doesn't really work you know people are catching on to um, uh, Bielsa's system and it's not that hard once you play against it a few times to understand how it works and to defend against it, you know? So yeah. it's definitely concerning. And another thing is we've already talked about it, but their depth, they don't have a, a solid competitive squad that in training that can really, you know, push the team forward they don't have a lot of like quality. You know, they might have two or three guys maybe that are quality enough to stay in the prem that come off the bench. But other than that, it's it's youth players. So, and with Lester, they'll be fine. They got Brandon Rodgers. They have Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy's kind of hit or miss now, but they've done great recruitment in the last few years, keeping the team afloat. Defensively, they look a little Shaky Fofana is a huge miss, but they'll be fine. They have Brendan Rogers. Brendan Rodgers is a phenomenal manager. So, yeah. Just give it some time. They'll find their footing again.
0: Definitely agree. Only worry for me with Leicester this season is if they don't retain some sort of European football, I worry about them losing uh Tielemans and Ndidi, that type of player just because you know they're I bet they're both approaching 25, 26. I think Tillman's is a little bit younger, but they're going to be looking maybe onward. And, you know, it's easy to stay at a team who is constantly pushing for fourth, but this season that doesn't seem to be where Leicester are going to end up. So that would be my only worry with them.
1: Yeah, I think the thing is, is even if Tillman's has a bad season, he's still 80 million. So, and same with Ndidi. If Ndidi has a bad season, they're both combined 160 to 200 million worth, so they'll make plenty of money on those signings. It's just can they keep that same recruitment, just hit after hit after hit? It's very hard to do, but they they've been seeming to do it, and the management there has been phenomenal, and the whole the whole club up and down, everyone's loves each other. They're all friends, and that that's the start of something great and that's what made them so great.
0: That's true. I think lastly, we can touch on United again, struggling a one zero loss at home to Villa. Villa is a strong side. Don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Uh, United did perform pretty well. They had a lot of shots, a lot of possession, but it seems to me people are finally coming around to the idea that, This team has maybe eclipsed the management capabilities of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see what your thoughts on that were. You know, it's already six. It's only six weeks in, but as we both agreed upon in the first few weeks, you know, this season, I think United are shooting for silverware and silverware of the highest order. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying Premier League, but you know, they're competing Champions League, FA Cup, and do you think Ali's the man to do that? Do you think do you think there's enough push for him to leave? Or do you see him staying the season out and actually, you know, winning something that they want to win?
1: I'm this is a hard one. I, I don't know how the following of United feels about Ali. I know it's very back and forth. Some people love him, some people hate him. The squad is way too good not to win at least something. I, and an FA Cup would not be enough. It is either Premier League, Champions League, or bust. And they already got knocked out of the Carabao Cup, but the only reason why they're in that is to play some youth players. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Yeah. It's, like, cares about winning that. Probably a city, because there's some plastic club, and anything <laughs> that they can just throw into the, the trophy cabinet, they'll take. And so, United... Right now, if I was a United fan, I'd be super concerned on where this club goes next. Because you just signed Ronaldo and that's great and all, but Ronaldo's 37 and he's not getting any younger and he didn't join this club just to retire. Like he's trying to win the Champions League again and show that he's the best player to ever grace the earth. He didn't like and there's talent on this team, a lot of talent. And Ale has put them in moments to be very great, and he's also put them in situations to be very bad. And there's still some players on that team that I don't think should be on that play- on that team whatsoever. Fred, Martial, players like that, and they still had, haven't selected a starting goalkeeper yet. There's still some holes in this side, but there's no way that this team should be losing more than three games this year. And sadly, it looks like it's going to be another disappointing season. I'm sure by the end of the season, if they don't win anything or even beforehand, Ollie will be out. So, yeah, it's not looking very good for either the manager or the club. And Austinville aren't no pushovers, but you need to be winning that game at home. Like that yeah. is just not acceptable. So,
0: agreed. And just the final thoughts on that I think. The way I would word it is that this team's quality has sort of eclipsed Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the way that when they brought him in those few seasons ago, they needed a guy to nurture some of the young talent like Greenwood and Rashford and sort of restore some good feeling in the club after Mourinho left. And he definitely did that. And he did it a lot better than I really would have expected him to.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: However, with the quality and the money spent in the squad to win now, I'm not sure that he's shown anything tactically or in a man management sense to keep his job. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for someone like a Zinedine Sedan, who's known to just be a serial winner because he knows how to man manage a squad of talent. Yeah. Not necessarily for his tactics because. Ali doesn't really have a way that he plays. He's more of just uh structure the team a little bit, get the ball to the attacking players, let them do their thing and that's honestly how Zidane won 3 Champions League on the bounce. So <laughs> I don't think that it would be a bad signing whatsoever. I think that I think that'd be a very Man United thing to do. I just yeah. don't know if they do it. I don't know if they pull trigger early and do it this year or If they wait for the season, see if anything pans out.
1: I'm sure if they lose tomorrow in the Champions League, unless they played today. I haven't really been looking at the Champions League lately.
0: I don't think they played today.
1: But if they play play Villarreal tomorrow, I think I just saw that. I was looking at it earlier today. Just wanted to see. If they lose tomorrow, or if they don't actually get three points, there's going to be some serious talks about Ale getting out, I yeah. believe, because to not to not top that group would be a massive disappointment with other groups having like the likes of Juventus and Chelsea together, uh, and just other generally you'll have two big clubs in one group. They have no other big club in their group. So they should be topping that group with Agreed. the just the pure size of the club and the talent on that club. So it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah. I think that just about wraps up the game week six recap. I think there's nothing else to do, but to go into our certified no ball takes of the week. Mm -hmm. I think I had in that. We might want to focus on the champions league midweek, but we missed most of the big games for that. So I say we just focus on this next premier league weekend which has some stunners, has some interesting fixtures, and unfortunately it's the last game week before an international break, which always is a sad feeling. But yeah. if you want to go ahead and go into your no-ball certified outtakes, I'd love to hear them.
1: Yeah, so I got some, I got some good ones, and a team that I've been high on uh, lately has been Crystal Palace, and they are going to be playing Leicester at home and Patrick Vieira has his team playing uh, an unreal level of football right now. And Leicester are still looking to kind of grab onto a just something positive coming their way. It hasn't been a whole lot of positive, and I think that's going to continue to happen. I think Crystal Palace beat Leicester at home 2-0, and Edward grabs another goal and they dominate the Foxes at home.
0: I like that shout. I like it for multiple reasons because I do like how Crystal Palace are playing. And then I also remember not too long ago, Odson Edward being linked to Leicester pretty heavily. So mm-hmm. maybe a goal. Can you hear Toby barking? Yeah. Okay, we'll wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. 4901.
1: Okay. Yeah, and sorry about the the phone calls. I had two spam calls, and they go through my damn laptop. So. Oh, it's
0: all good, dude. Yeah, we can just edit those out pretty easily. Yeah, I put the timestamps down. All right, I'll just restart that. Hmm. I really like that shot for two reasons, actually. One, because Crystal Palace have been playing really well, and also I remember not too long ago Otz and Edward being linked pretty heavily to Leicester. So you know a goal. Uh, To seal another loss for them, maybe a little nod in their direction. You know, I always love seeing that kind of stuff.
1: Definitely. Yeah. No, it's always cool to see like a team or a player kind of give it back to a team either that was recruiting them or like scouting them and then was like, "Eh, yeah, we'll go somewhere else and they get someone else and just kind of, you know, it's just some banter, you know?
0: Right. Did you want to move on to your second one then?
1: Uh, Yeah, no, I'll do two-to-two two, or back-to-back, back, I guess. Uh, So here I'm not this confident this week uh, going into these games. But nonetheless, Villa play Spurs at home, another home team. Spurs have looked terrible, and Austin Villa. They look good. Their players are starting to kind of come into their own. And the system is starting to look better and better each time that they play. I think Austin Villa gives Spurs a fourth consecutive loss in the Prem. And this is going to be for like one of the first times in like history of Spurs that they've lost consecutively poorly. I'm not giving a score line. I don't think that this game this game will be very up in the air. Villa looked way too good going forward. And that defense for Spurs has looked awful. So I got Austin Villa to shock Spurs at home and give Nuno his fourth consecutive loss in the Prem.
0: I like that one. Yeah, I I don't see a way in which Spurs rebound just yet, honestly. If you look at all their offensive metrics, they're eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth in the league for just about everything. And mm-hmm. You know, unless Harry Kane comes out and gives a Harry Kane performance, which he hasn't done in, I want to say six months, eight months. Mm -hmm. You know, even on the the end of last season, he wasn't really performing that great. Yeah, I don't see. I think honestly, I don't even see this as that hot of a take at this point in the season. (laughs) I I'd honestly be surprised if Villa didn't at least get a point. I think I'm definitely gonna agree with you on that one.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, yeah, and I think. I think that brings me into mine. Close off the episode. Uh, it's six. This is going to be the seventh week into the season. I hate using the term relegation battle this early, but if you take a look and you look at Norwich versus Burnley, I think you can. There's no way you can't call it that. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. both of these teams are without a win. Norwich are without a point. They genuinely have looked just about as bad as they ever had in the prem, which is saying a lot, mm-hmm. but I think somehow they pull out a win here against Burnley. And I think people finally start seeing Burnley as a candidate for relegation this season, like very, very firm candidate. Mm-hmm. I think Burnley have just gone one too many seasons in a row without changing anything up to stay in the prem this season. And I, I haven't going down, but I think it all starts with a loss to Norwich, you know, that's a pretty damning (laughs) result for any relegation candidate.
1: That'd be terrible to lose the Norwich. And it's not that Norwiches are slouches. Well, they are, but they have, they have talent within that side. I just don't know why it's not accumulating to even a draw here and there. I know they've had some pretty awful fixtures at the beginning of the season. They've been playing some very difficult teams, but, So if other relegated sides are like expected relegation side, and they're getting results. So I don't know if it's a management problem. I don't know if it's a talent problem, but they need to figure it out fast. And I think that if now would be the time to figure it out, it'd be against Burnley, because Burnley are also a side that have definitely overstayed their welcome the prom, I think. Yeah. As far as not improving the side. And also just Burnley fans kind of just. Suck. So I just don't see the prime anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. It's weird because Daniel Farca, the Norwich manager, they've stuck with them the last few seasons. You know, they stuck with them going down. He brought them back to the Prem. I'm all about trusting the process, mm-hmm. but at what point do you just blow it up? Like I understand Norwich are side that they're perfectly fine going in between the prem and the championship, which it's not a bad way to run a club, you know, multiple clubs are doing that these days. Yeah. But at what point do you say, how about we actually try and stay up? Even if we just scrape 17th, you know, bring in a known, defensive, you know, old school type manager, try to keep them up. Why not just give that a shot? But yeah, I think they're going to stay trust in the process. I
1: think that also goes into a point where is, is it a business or is it a football club? And it's, Norwich is definitely more ran like a football club than it is a business. I see it. Like, yeah. have you have you seen their like sponsor? It's that like little bug game or something. I've never. Yeah. That is the strangest sponsor I've ever I've ever seen, and it's such like like a, a small club sponsor. <laughs> it's just it's just awful, and it looks terrible in the kit. Um, I don't know if they still have that, but I, I know I definitely remember them having some weird bug iPhone game as their yeah sponsor.
0: I, I think I remember that as well, but
1: but um yeah, that's about all I have on that one. Yeah, they're definitely more of a, a football club than a business where these top six sides are definitely more like a business.
0: I think that moves me on to my second one, which this ties back into the Spurs-Arsenal game. I, rem- I remember you saying that that result maybe came down more to Spurs than it did to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, Arsenal came out of the gates blazing for the first 35, 40 minutes. That was some of the best post-Wenger football that I've seen them play. Definitely. But I just get a vibe that Brighton hold them to a draw and maybe bring them back down to reality just a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think Brighton this season have been one of the better teams in the Prem to a lot of people's surprise. And I just that's the way I see it. I think they... I think they invite Arsenal, they're home, and I think they hold them to a draw. Which, depending on how much you follow the game, might be a surprise. But honestly, that wouldn't really be that big of a surprise result.
1: Yeah, no, and I definitely agree. I I like the, I like the take. I think it's a good one, and here's why. Neil Malpai is, is just a fuck, dude. Like he. <laughs> He gets inside your in head. Prim. He shit houses Arsenal and he shithoused Crystal Palace the other day. Did you see he, that?
0: He does it to everyone. He man. Does, like he, every no one party. is safe
1: from Neil Malpai. Like that dude, he is a complete cock. Like he just <laughs> he's taking the piss out of everyone. And no one is safe. Especially Arsenal. Now thank now. Okay. I hope hope Granite Jaka gets you know healthy after the injury that he had. I never want to see a player get injured, but, dude, thank God that he's not playing in this game because yeah. he would get sent off so fucking fast. It would oh be, my God! It would be another like just typical Granite Jaka Arsenal potential is is in this game, and it is oozing it. But still, I'm backing my Arsenal. I think, honestly, Brighton are a smaller club. They don't have as much talent. Arsenal look very good. I'm gonna back Arsenal here. I think they win, but I love the take. I think it's a good one.
0: Yeah, I respect that. I just this take was more of an invitation for Arsenal to prove to me that you know things are changing. Just it's been a mixed bag. Yeah. That Spurs result is huge. But like I said, Spurs are genuinely one of the worst sides in the Prem right now. You know, regardless of
1: who's on the, the wins that they've had. Yeah, probably. and who they've beaten. Well, they they had a great result against What was it, City they played? Yeah, they beat
0: City 1-0 the opening match of the year.
1: Honestly, I feel like that was more not knowing from Pep what Spurs were going to do than actually Spurs knowing what the heck they were going to do.
0: Yeah, I'm not sold in the slightest on them.
1: Yeah, and then they had two pretty mediocre fixtures after that. So it definitely was maybe... uh, What's the term kind of... Um, fraudulent, you know, a play. Fluke, <laughs> fraudulent play from Nuno. Um, but yeah, it it'll be it'll be an interesting weekend to uh, cap off before the international break. Um, so it, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun weekend.
0: I think that just about wraps up this episode. I'm looking forward to the international break just because we can maybe debut some new content. Uh, Maybe a little bit less Premier League-based. But, yeah, if you got any parting words for our fans here.
1: Hey, hey guys, just uh, stay healthy, um, you know, and watch some football, you know. It's good for you. Makes the world go around.
0: Agreed. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of No Ball Podcast. Ben and I would like to thank you for your support and invite you to follow us on Twitter and TikTok at NoBallPod to give us feedback and send in suggestions. Catch you around.